0: Welcome to episode 17 of the Play Like a Champion show, a podcast from Play Like a Champion today. I'm Peter Piscatello. I'll be joined by Kristen Sheehan in just a moment. First, a little housekeeping. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you missed last week's conversation with Ann Strickers or any of our previous episodes, be sure to go back and take a listen. You'll hear today we've talked to some amazing people who are changing sports at the youth and high school level. You can find the Play Like a Champion show in all your favorite podcasting services, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Stitcher, and more. Please be sure you click the subscribe button so that you're alerted to new podcasts as they're released. And hey, if your podcast app of choice allows, we would appreciate if you would rate and review the podcast. We always appreciate those five-star reviews, and they help others to find the show. Finally, connect with us on social media so we can interact with you at PLC, the number four character, on Twitter and Instagram, and at Play Like a Champion on Facebook. You can also learn all about everything that we do. Find additional contact information on our website, www.playlikeachampion.org. With that, I'd like to welcome the always terrific Kristen Sheehan. Kristen, we're approaching Christmas, and with that, the end of 2020, I know for many people that will be a, a welcome ending. Uh, it's been a tough year and maybe one that people would like to forget, but I'd like to start off today with a positive note and ask you what you're most thankful for in the past year.
1: Well, hi, everyone. It's so good to be with you here for this final episode. And, you know, you think about what I'm most thankful for, I think it has to be my health so many people getting sick and passing, Uh, you know, when we're healthy, you know, number one, boy, we got to thank God for that. And then I also think, Pete, that, you know, amidst the challenges during this year, people have had to sacrifice so much. And, you know, in sacrificing, there's a discipline, and yet we do it for the common good, right? Um, To protect not just ourselves, but everyone around us. And that sacrifice is that's a big word for sports, right? We talk a lot about you sacrifice for the team for the good of the, the whole team, not just for your own self as an athlete. So I'm reminded of the value of sacrifice. Um, and then also you know what I think too is the beauty out of some of this is that we've seen an incredible creativity from our partners and even from ourselves. You know, what we've had to do this year is to find new and innovative ways to remain pertinent and to serve uh, our partners in our world.
0: I think those are tremendous things. And you know, I was gonna say health as well. Uh, certainly, I think we should all be grateful if we've had good health uh, for that in this year where we've dealt with you know, the opposite of that in, in many places. Uh, But I would also say leaders, and this kind of dovetails with your comment on creativity, uh, the idea that so many people have had to really adapt and be innovative, as you said, in the past year. I think really I'm thankful for people who have been willing to do that and take the lead in helping to make, in in our sort of world, uh, youth and high school sports, uh, to get through this time. And we've had the opportunity on this show uh, and in our daily work to work with so many great leaders who really demonstrate that on a day-to-day basis, whether it's communicating with student athletes in a time where that is difficult to do, whether it's stepping up and finding, you know, creative ways last spring to honor seniors who did not have the best end to their careers, uh, in sports, things like that, that you just love to see leaders who have stepped up, uh, who have, have looked out for those in need, and who have really helped to create a vision for moving forward when that vision can be, you know, kind of hard to see. So, obviously, many things to be thankful for. And we all certainly want to make sure that we express that gratitude uh, this time of the year in particular. And as we move into uh, hopefully a 2021 that will uh, will be much brighter. Uh, and, uh, and we have many things to look forward to, we hope, in the coming year. Uh, with that, what we thought we would do is is actually end this year of podcasting, this, this final episode of 2020, with a little bit of looking back. We wanted to wrap up our first year of the Play Like a Champion show with a, a greatest hits of source. Um, I'm always a big fan of the year-end lists, and maybe you are too, Kristen, of best songs or best sports moments. Uh, so we thought we'd bring you the moments from this podcast that stood out in our interviews uh, throughout the year. Now, with with hours and hours of content, we couldn't possibly fit all of our guests in. So that caveat first. Uh, This isn't a comprehensive list, maybe, of our greatest interviews or comments. You can certainly go back and listen to all of our episodes for free, wherever you find podcasts. Uh, We we picked out some comments we thought our listeners might enjoy hearing uh, as we close this year. So Kristen and I will chime in every once in a while here uh, to comment and give our thoughts on a major theme but otherwise we'll let you listen to our guests. How does that sound?
1: Let's do it, Pete. And as you said, we've had incredible guests with amazing comments. And there's no doubt that in 2020, we should start with the major story of the year and that is COVID-19. And uh, discuss some of the biggest talking points among coaches and leaders in sports this year, um, how they responded to the pandemic. And so here are some of those uh, coaches right now: Carrie Hastings and Megan Morgan. You'll hear from.
2: You know, as with many athletes who've kind of lost their seasons, there is a definite sense of mourning that goes along with all this, and and a felt loss in terms of um, you know things that you can't get back and. And, you know, for some people it's a delay, but for some people it really is a loss. And, and that, that can be really, um, really feel tragic. So um, yeah, so working with, you know, we did actually, um, you may have heard, we did have a case um, of COVID on our team and, and, you know, this player didn't even have symptoms, but just lost his sense of taste and smell and, um, and then tested positive and, uh, and at the time, they were just having um, people doing rehab coming in. They had kind of everyone else was working from home, but but even within that small group, you know, that instilled some an anxiety about if other people were going to get it or bring it home to their families. And so, um, you know, one thing the uh, that we did as a club, we had a a team wide. Zoom, as everyone's everyone knows, Zoom now. <laughs> we had a, a team Zoom, and we invited um, team staff and opened it to family members as well, where we just educated um, everyone on the virus and brought them up to speed in terms of what we were doing, and and informed them as much as we could in terms of what we knew and what we knew that. The immediate future looked like for our team, and in terms of workouts and and play and all of that.
3: Yeah, I mean, like every other, you know, youth serving organization, we are um, trying to find the the best way to continue our programming in this COVID world. Um, we've you know continued with our after school program, doing virtual sessions um, with. You know, certainly not the same number of girls that would have been attending in person, but with a good amount of girls and um, the numbers are growing every week, which is great. Uh, One of the things that's been really cool about that is we've been able, because we do have programs in multiple cities, is we've been able to combine programs a lot. Um, and so like with our teens they've been they've done some leader to leader interviews where we've had teens from Baltimore Texas and Chicago all on the same leader to leader and that's really cool because they're getting to meet girls from other parts of the country um, we are um, the teens it's been easier it's been like an easier transition because teens are just more tech savvy with younger girls it's harder um, we're trying to do a combination of Programming where they're kind of joining us for live zoom or Google hangout sessions and then also recording some programming that we can house on YouTube that girls can. Watch whenever they have time because we recognize that not every girl has access to a computer at the time where we're running our live program and so we want to make sure that we're. You know, providing something that any girl who has Internet access can can reach when she has the time. But we also understand that not all girls have the computer internet access. And so we we've mailed some stuff out to girls. Um, All of our coaches wrote like handwritten kind of we miss you cards to all the girls in our program just to let them know like we're thinking of them and we'd love to stay in touch with them, you know, however that works. Um, It's like you have to come up with a plan and then like a plan B and a plan C and a plan D and then assume that the, you know, final product is going to be some combination of all of those things.
0: Well, Kristen, some sage words there from uh, from our guests, from Carrie and Megan. Uh, any thoughts on what we heard from them?
1: Well, what really pumps out to me is when Carrie said, "It's it's tragic. Yeah, 2020 is tragic. And yet out of tragedy and defeat can come resilience and grit and eventually victory, Pete. And so that's what What I want to focus on is how we come through this in a more positive way. Um, And one of the ways I think is looking at what Girls in the Game has done with technology and connecting to their athletes. Uh, What I love are those handwritten notes from coaches to athletes saying, we miss you and we care about you. Uh, That's that's a brightness in, in the midst of this dark spot.
0: Without a doubt. Uh, certainly the case. And we talked at the top and and even just hearing some of those things you mentioned about the coaches overcoming challenges during the past year. Uh, And, you know, I would say even despite that, coaching remains such a rewarding endeavor. So we asked a number of coaches throughout uh, our our interviews what their favorite parts of coaching are. Uh, We also asked them how they build character through sports and what impact they see with athletes. Take a listen.
4: You know, obviously, relationships is is key, uh, and that's one of the main reasons why I stay in this profession. Um, you know, but I I look at you know this past summer, you know, being a baseball coach, um, you look at our roster and the turnover that we had. You know, we lost seven seniors uh, from the season prior. You know, who I want to say four or five of them had been starting since. Uh, either their eighth grade or freshman year on our varsity team, you know, and and the success that they had, you know, in this season we were awfully young. We only had three seniors on the team, you know, and and we only had four juniors in the program, you know, so we're going to rely on a bunch of freshmen and and sophomores to to step up and play big roles. And so you're expecting there to be struggle. You're expecting there to be failure. And and there's no question we had that. Uh, We lost a couple games uh, we lost to a team that we haven't lost to in, in 30 years, you know, at the beginning of our season, we definitely showed some youth. We definitely showed some inexperience. We definitely showed some frustration and, you know, part of coaching. One of the things that, you know, for me personally that I love to see is how our our athletes respond to failure. And, you know, I, I love the concept and idea of failure. I think it's one of the great things about sports. Uh, you know, personally, I, I love to fail um, just because you get so many learning opportunities from that. I, you know, I, it's so true. You get more learning out of failure than you do winning and succeeding and, and seeing our students kind of trust the process to buy in, you know, to have faith in one another that, you know, my teammate is going to do their job. You know, it was just tremendous to see. Yeah, I mean, we went through a week and a half span where we've played some of the worst baseball, probably the worst baseball that I've seen, you know, in my tenure at Newman. Um, And for them to kind of buy in, you know, kind of get rid of that um, selfish motto that I think some of them, you know, might've had and to play as a team to trust one another to, like I said, buy into the process. And to go on a run that they did, uh, it was remarkable. And we faced, especially at the, the state tournament, we faced two teams that, uh, you know, personally, I, I look at it, were better than us. They were a better team than us. Um, but our kids battled and and, I mean, they persevered. And that was, even though we didn't win the state title, I want to say this past summer was more rewarding to me because seeing their growth as an individual and, and seeing their growth as a team and, and them rely on one another was was far more important than winning that state title, um, you know. And, and so that's kind of one of the the best things about being a coach is seeing how those kids learn from their failures and grow not only as an athlete, but as an individual and how they leave your program is probably, you know, right next to building that relationship, you know, as the enjoyment of of being a coach.
5: I would want everyone to realize that they are a coach in heart. So many times we miss opportunities to teach young ones or teach ourselves or teach our fellow co-workers um, but, you know, we're, we're all coaches at heart because we, we want everything to run a little bit more smoothly um, to get better at what we do. And so I just like to encourage everyone who's listening and everyone who's out there, you know, to coach your part. You know, sometimes that's coaching uh, your, your grandkids or sometimes it's coaching the little girl or the little boy next door. You know, or sometimes it's it's coaching that stranger that you that you just meet. But when I say coach them, it's, it's to coach them to 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 participate in this game that we call life and not to give up, to know that we can win, to not look at the circumstances that are surrounding us, because sometimes they are dark and they are bleak. But we're going to remember in the end we win. So we have to coach through it. Uh, I'll share this this last story with with you. Uh, we were playing a basketball game. We were down 13 points in the fourth quarter and we had been losing all of our games. But I always told the kids, well, no, we never lose. We're, we're always getting better. And um, one of the kids said to me, "They said, I said, you know, we're, we're playing at a, um, a a place that's not our home. We're down 13 points. The crowd is against us. And it seems like the, the officials are against us. And what a great opportunity to to be in right now. And they looked at me and they said, coach, we're, we're losing. And I said, yeah. I said, but what a great opportunity. Make a long story short, we won that game by one point. And that was the turning point in my season for that particular team. And from that point on, I mean, we were really hard to beat. But all of a sudden, the kids bought into what I was saying. They applied it to just life. You know, not, don't give up. Don't worry about what's going on. Just go out here and play the game. And we, we had a great season from there, from there on.
6: <laughs> the reason that's true is because as a teacher, right, um, and a, someone who loves sports, coaching is a way to teach through athletics. Um, you build relationships with kids in different ways. I was thinking about a student who I did not connect with in cross country, who I had then in the classroom. And it was a totally different experience and it was a very rich experience for both of us, right? And the opposite has been true as well. So um, coaching gets you outside, it gets you active. Um, As a cross country coach, I got to run with my team. What a gift, right? I don't run anymore, but I, I loved running through Golden Gate Park with them. As a golf coach, yeah, you better believe once a week, um, our practice, I'm playing with my team. Just, you know, it's fun to play. Um, I know play like a champion likes to play as overall. So that's a part of the, the gift and the joy of coaching.
7: Well, you know, Colonel Francis Parker believed in citizenship. And and that's really important. So one of the things that we work on as a school, but specifically within the athletic department, is building character. And that is in the wheelhouse of Play Like a Champion. And so I found it when I arrived here and learned that we were part of Play Like a Champion. I knew that I would have the resources to, to continue to work on building character um, for our student athletes. You know, I tell our kids, we are really... Even though as a small private school, we are very, very competitive. We love sports. We love to compete. Um, we think it's it's a value. Um, being on a team, there's there's a value to that. And so we 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 are actively engaged in, with our student athletes and 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 talking to them about leadership and character development and things of that nature. And I tell our kids all the time that it doesn't matter how many banners we have up in our gym. If you don't leave here wanting to love, care, and serve others, then we didn't do our job. And so it's been really big. Um, I talk to our kids a lot about being a part of something bigger than themselves. Uh, and, and so, you know, I look forward to, to the weekly coaches notes. We share that with our coaches. We have conversations with our coaches uh, once a month about those notes, what we can learn, how we can pass that on to our kids, uh, what we can do to impact our kids in a positive way. Um, We think that's important. And now through this pandemic, it's become more, I've I've added a, a second phrase to that, be a part of something bigger than yourself. And that is because it's more than just a game.
8: Every coach in my book has each of these three characteristics one is they're imaginative they're not bound by what convention tells them they're not afraid to take some chances they're not afraid to stretch themselves they're not afraid to say you know what if we did this uh why are we limited to this why don't we try that um they're not afraid to to open up and and to try things and You know, in order for a coach to do that, they have to have a good group of people around. They have to have an athletic director around them who doesn't say, sure, go ahead and try that, but if you lose three games next year, you're out. Um, You know, you need ADs like Pam Bozer who give you the space to breathe, to try, to experiment, and to expand your imagination. Uh, So that's one thing. I think the other thing is these coaches are absolutely selfless. Um, I really don't think most people know just how many hours these coaches pour into these kids. And for a coach to be successful, you have to. Um, And it's not just the game planning and the practices. um, It's the time you spend with the kids outside of it. Every coach I talk to can go on for hours about the personal stories and the personal relationships that they've built with these kids over the years and the time they spend talking to them just as mentors and kids. Uh, So you've got to be selfless. And I think most importantly, you've got to be centered. Uh, Now, whether that means, you know, whether you're centered in, you know, some of the coaches in my book are centered in faith. Some of them are centered in their communities. You know, whatever, wherever you find your center and create a strong sense of identity, you've got to have that. You've got to know who you are. And um, I think every coach I've talked to really has a strong sense of that. That, that sense of being that, that I am who I am, I am comfortable in who I am, and I'm comfortable in the values that I espouse, and, and this is the way we're going to move forward. Um, absolutely crucial to success.
1: Wow, great, great reminder of some of the fantastic advice we heard from our from our interviewees. And I, I'd like to summarize what I heard in these previous clips you know, we're play like a champion, right? So uh, we start with play and we heard Anne talk about, yeah, as coaches, we want to play. We want to have that joy, that fun uh, through sports. So that's it's just a, an important reminder all the time is to uh, bring on that joy because then kids will be more motivated. Athletes will be more motivated to put forth their best effort to become a champion. And a reminder that a champion is not just the winning team or the athlete that uh, that is in first place you know alex bull talked about relationships and building those relationships i mean what a champion centered coach when he said it was not important to him that they win the state championship but what was more important is that his team grew and developed uh, that's what we call champion centered coach rather than an ego center coach who is only concerned about the outcome of the tournaments Um, So I guess that's the way I'd summarize it. They did a beautiful job of talking about how to truly play like a champion.
0: So true, and some great examples there from our coaches. Uh, Unfortunately, there are some fantastic coaches that are building character through sports, but there are also a number of issues that threaten uh, our sports culture. And two of the topics that have come up in several of our conversations as we've just been talking to these leaders are a lack of female coaches across all levels of sport and a lack of access to sports for those who are in economically disadvantaged areas or simply don't have the means to finance what we've called a pay-to-play culture. So we talked with three amazing leaders about these issues, what the issues are, and how we go about moving forward and hopefully creating a world where these issues are no longer obstacles to participation, whether it's as a coach or as an athlete?
9: You know, I think it's so important that women, especially young girls, can look up and see female role models. And it's unfortunate that when you look around the country, you just don't see enough of them when they're watching a movie, uh, when, you know, when they're looking at politics or w- whatever they're doing, there's just not enough women represented. And I think that when they start out playing and girls are playing soccer at five, six years old, and who's coaching the team? Normally, it's somebody's dad. You know, they start with male coaches right from the beginning. And I would love to see boys playing soccer at five and six years old, playing for somebody's mom. And I think that that would be a great way to make it normal that, you know, women can coach men, men can coach women, but it, it's so much more important. I think for the girls to see these women in charge and they go off and they play in high school. A lot of times they're playing for a man. They play AAU. Most of the time they're playing for a man. So girls never look up and see, boy, coaching something that I aspire to because who do they see that's doing it? And until they can see the women in those positions I don't think they really believe they can do it. And just in terms of confidence building and the things that women need, uh, I think it's so important to have some role models that are female. And I know there's a lot of terrific male coaches out there. And I think my advice to them would just be simply hire female assistants, have somebody on the bench that these girls can, can look at and talk to about things away from basketball, because you can't always relate to everybody. You need to have, some diversity on your staff, the different kinds of people. Um, but I think the female role model is just so important for these young girls to be able to look up and see somebody that looks like them, that they can aspire to be.
10: Absolutely. Access is such a challenge when you're talking about equity in sports. And access means so many different things. There's financial access. Are there financial barriers to playing, whether it be league fees? We don't have them. Our programming's free. Whether it be equipment, we actually kit out every child shoulder to shins for free. We want every kid to have the baseline equipment. Whether it be field equipment, we actually provide our school partners in many cases with goals and cones and pennies and all the equipment. So there's the financial element of access. There's, as you said, Kristen, the geographic element of access. Right? Are there other other sports opportunities in your neighborhood that you can get to? Are there other teams there? Is it just one team? Because you can't run a league if you have a team. Right. You need more than one team to run a league. Uh, Are there transportation barriers? Right. Just because there might be a playing field in your neighborhood, if it's two blocks away and you're walking through gang territory or it's across a major highway, it's not accessible. Right. It's not a safe place for you to get to, even if the field itself, once you're there, is safe. And so there's all different elements of access. The way that we really tackle it through scores is our goal is to remove all the barriers to a kid being able to participate financial barriers, the geographic barriers, the transportation barriers, the equipment barriers, the coaching barriers, making sure that we have coaches that we train in positive youth development and trauma-informed, healing-centered approaches to coaching because the kids we're working with often have high degrees of trauma in their life and these different approaches that can really help them center when they're on the field and make sure we're really helping that kid develop into their best self, not getting distracted by behavioral things that may have little to do with the sport, often have little to do with the sport and and happen with other things going on in that child's life. We wanna make sure that all those barriers are removed through what we do and how we operate so that the kid can experience the beauty and the power of sport, the beauty and the power of being part of a team.
11: When you research how much it costs to Play volleyball, um, travel volleyball, which, you know, for some reason, a lot of parents feel like their kids have to play on the travel circuit in order for them to be successful, in order for them to play at the college level. You know, they are um, sacrificing a lot of money. And so, you know, on the low end, we're talking $1,500. Um, On the high end, we're talking $3,000, $4,000 a season. And, you know, girl, a lot of the girls that I work with, that's just, you know, out of their range. They just can't afford that. And does that mean that they are missing out on these opportunities that other girls are able to have? You know, it just doesn't seem fair. And so one of the things that I am able to do here at Detroit PAL is... Um, offer those same opportunities for a cheaper cost. So our girls are able to play in some of these same tournaments for $250. So we're able to offer that same opportunity for them. And some of these girls are, you know, they're not even necessarily trying to play at the college level. They just want to play volleyball. Some of them you know, may not have made their high school team. They just want to play volleyball. And so we are able to offer that at $250. And $250 is still a lot for some, some young ladies. And so you know, we're still working with them. We do some fundraisers so that they're able to come up with the $250 if that's something that they're not able to do. And we've been able to increase the number of teams that we have um, from, I want to say we had one team when I started, and we're up to about seven teams now. And so we're able to offer those same opportunities. And then we're able to also establish relationships with some of the bigger clubs that offer tournaments, which can be costly as well. And they work with us, and they have offered you know, free entry fees. And um, I do want to shout out Michigan Elite which has done that for um, several years for us so that we're able to eliminate that cost and be able to offer um, a, a, a smaller fee for those young ladies so that they're able to, again, play in those bigger tournaments, be exposed to those college coaches, but they are able to do that at a more affordable fee.
0: Kristen, I really enjoyed those interviews with Muffet McGraw, Bethany Henderson, and Ramona Cox. A reminder that you can go back and listen to those at any time. They're all free. Your favorite podcasting app. Go find them. Uh, Listen to the full episode. I think that's well, well worth your time. Uh, Terrific comments, though, on issues that are plaguing sports and how we go about really hoping to try to rectify them.
1: Wow, you know, three strong, impressive women. Uh, So important to listen to the women, the female coaches and administrators that are among us, and then do something to change the lack of female coaches, right? You know, we should just simply challenge ourselves as administrators or, or as coaches to go out and invite women to coach, invite women to become a part of a team experience the invitation will lead to more people accepting. Um, And just a little precursor coming forward in in 2021, Play Like a Champion is gonna be talking about um, racism and combating race through um, sports. And one of the things that we will encourage our partners to do here is also to invite more people of color to become coaches. And so the invitation is critical and that should be the responsibility of all of us. Moving forward, let's just embrace the idea of inviting people to become more involved in sports, uh, women and people of color.
0: Yeah. And sometimes, Kristen, it's, it's not even the difficult thing, right? It's just taking that simple step. It's, it doesn't have to be hard, um, but overcoming those obstacles can start with a very easy invitation.
1: Yep. And now we'll transition to sports and spirituality, a really important topic on Play Like a Ch- Champion's Agenda.
6: The point of the course is to help, you know, students um, understand the spiritual life, basically. And the analogy or the lens that we use is sports. So spirituality might be maybe an ambiguous term for some people. But um, when you ground it in something like sports, it helps, you know, the purpose of analogy, right, is to get to a better understanding of something. So I always say, you know, I could teach a class called Well, my mom would want to take a class, sports and gardening, right? You can learn about the spiritual life through the analogy of gardening. You know, we could take that metaphor. But with um, this class, it's about um, sports and their experiences as athletes. And um, really two things I always say, language and vision. So I've talked about language already, kind of the language that we use um, in both the sports life and in the spiritual life and um, vision, a way of seeing God in all things, which would be through sports. So if it's true, God is part of all of our experiences. How or why could God be separate from our athletic competition or our participation on a team and opening their eyes to kind of
12: understand that? One aspect of this is that um, I noticed something among uh, talking with some of the, the students in my parish school when I was a pastor, and that's not too long ago, but um, they were very much involved in fantasy sports, okay? You know, the fantasy football, uh, fantasy baseball, and, you know, developing a team, you know, and it's all done statistically, et cetera. I did it as a, a high school kid, but back then that was before the internet, and we used the sporting news um, as our authentic, as our authentic verification of statistics, and we did everything by hand, and you know that it was pre computer. But what I noticed is that um, there was a deeper and deeper loyalty to an individual player, and not to a team, and they were valuing players for output only for their statistical value, and not really you know wanting to emulate them or learn from them uh that it is uh um you know that that in a sense the loss of an understanding of what a team was became something where it was just compiling statistics uh, of the performance of individual athletes and you know more students as I said at the time you know they wanted to own Paul Goldschmidt than play like Paul Goldschmidt or own Aaron Rodgers more than to play like Aaron Rodgers and i was thinking that there has to be with this with the work in computers has to be more development into an understanding of the team and the value of competition uh and not just seeing something as a commodity or a gamble is uh, a sense of gambling um i i think that um that's part of what the throwaway culture uh, pushes for, that the Pope is very critical of and is drawing our attention to, is that people are only valued for utilitarian purposes. In other words, how useful or productive are they as measured by the bottom line uh, and not getting to know them as people and in a shared endeavor and a shared struggle to excel, you know, and overcome disadvantages, et cetera. And I think that um, that that really was a big topic of evangelization. Uh, I think sport brings people together. It doesn't just teach people skills, and it does that. And it doesn't just teach people um, character traits, and it does that. But I think sport uh, is a way by which we can um, understand how luck is a part of life, but luck doesn't dominate life. We can understand how uh, the the importance of winning, but that losing doesn't destroy life, and then also the importance of teamwork, uh, and collaboration that everybody does their part, and can excel in their part and in their uh, their position, um, and. And especially though the goal is uh, the work together of the team for, for victory, uh, but, but a hard earned and honestly won victory. Well, I'm, I'm in favor of an inclusion of an office for youth ministry and athletics involved in that uh, for the development of, of youth. It's part of education. Um, if we're not addressing these aspects of it, uh, we're not really educating the whole person. And, um, and at least that's the approach we've taken here in the, in the diocese. Um, and I, I think the USCCB as a conference can foster that very well. And so I'm an advocate for that. Um, and I think so. I think also though, we can't be afraid, all right? Uh, we can, We can't be afraid to go into sports education. I mean, uh, in some ways we would rather want to stay away or be tempted to give in to fear because of the vulnerability of youth and because of past transgressions against vulnerability i think sports requires accountability and we we have the resources and we have the knowledge and the vast ability to be accountable and protective of the vulnerable um, and 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 i think that when we give in to fears like that, we've given the game away, so to speak, and we're, we're neglecting our responsibility that God has entrusted us with. Um, and so, um, I think it, it also requires good practice, all right, in order to develop education. Uh, if we try to do this only theoretically first, well, you know, you can't think your way into right action, but you have to write have to act your way into right thinking you know, and that sense of practice. And so what are we doing well and where are we doing it? And I think sometimes uh, too many of our schools are sort of left without guidance and direction that they end up trying to do too much on their own. Uh, when really solidarity is called for, especially uh, between those who have, who have more Uh, and those who have less, that in a sense, sports equalizes a lot of things, provided we have sound access and a level playing field.
1: Thank you to Ann Strickers and Bishop Olson to raise our awareness of spirituality and God's presence in sport. Uh, One of the things that I love out of these clips, Pete, is that Bishop Olson is you know, embracing the idea that we, we should advocate for a national office of sport ministry in the USCCB. And that's something that we make the recommendation for in our recently published book, uh, Play Like a Champion, Following the Vatican's Lead to Elevate the Culture of American Sport. And something that I think we will continue to encourage um, and invite the uh, bishops to consider.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I laugh when you say that because we published a book this year and it seems as though we published it five years ago. So I guess (laughs) that's sort of, you know, 2020 in a nutshell, right? Uh, This summer seems like, uh, or I guess this past spring seems like so long ago, but you're right. uh, A really important issue Uh, that I'm so glad to hear, you know, people talk about and something we will continue to pursue because sports are important and they're important for all of us uh, in in a lot of different senses, but the opportunity to uh, create that sort of office and to really underscore the importance of building character and virtue through sports uh, is a tremendous thing. So we're going to close our look at clips from the past year with some advice from coaches Uh, Or four coaches, rather, from Jamile Cannon. Uh, Jamile joined us on episode 12 of the podcast, and he is a tremendous example of what it means to be a coach, a mentor, and a leader in youth sports. Uh, Here, Jamile introduces a practice he's created with kids at the block in Chicago, and you'll actually hear from Kristen uh, in this clip. Uh, Then, he talks about how he manages to stay positive as a coach, despite sometimes working in really stressful situations, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners can identify with. So take a listen to Jamile, and then we'll, uh, we'll close out the show.
1: Tell us about the end of your practice where you do shout outs. Uh, I thought that was really impressive to give kids encouragement and find their voice and provide that agency for those kids
13: oh yeah the shout outs at the end of practice check off a lot of boxes for us there's a lot of research that goes in uh, that has gone into say that you know showing gratitude for other people actually makes you happier uh and improve and improves your own social emotional well-being uh so and then there's also the idea of you know speaking to an entire group which you know most people fear more than death uh we want to we want to cross those barriers i think it's a really important uh, tool for young people to have so at the end of every training session everybody speaks. Um, everybody uh, speaks about another individual in the group who did something positive that day, who helped them, who showed a ton of hard work, who, who just stood out to them for, for any reason. Uh, and we express their appreciation verbally by giving a shout out. So, uh, you know, Darius might look at Lamont and say, I want to give Lamont a shout out because when we were working on the bag, I saw that it was really difficult. And you, uh, you, you kept fighting through it and that made me want to fight harder. Um, so it, it, it gets people looking for the good things in their lives. It uh, gets people expressing uh, expressing themselves, especially for you know young black men. Uh, the, the way that we, we tend to relate uh, is by making fun of each other. Uh, and it's not always the healthiest way to, to relate to one another. So I, I think switching that up, uh, making sure we have some intentionally and focused positive time, some some positive interactions uh, is incredibly important for, uh, for all of our development. One of the things I learned uh, as a social work major at the University of Kentucky uh, was that you have to be able to turn off. You have to be able to leave work um so you you know we we keep our hobbies uh, outside of the block i think those that's really important to us Uh, so my wife goes and rock climbs i'm learning to play chess and learning to play piano Uh, learning to do tons of things in a mediocre fashion right now even though i say excellence is a habit Um, and i i we, we stay busy even when we're outside of this space, staying busy with things that, that fill us up, even even uh, if this this job can take away from you at times. It's a, it is a grind, um, especially during COVID-19. I'm, I'm in this building from 7.15 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. And, and honestly, the work isn't always done at that point. Uh, but having uh, other, other things that you can tap into just to unplug from the day-to-day work uh, but also reflecting on the successes of the work, uh, to, to re- reflect on the small victories. This morning, a kid walked in uh, who's 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 failing classes. He's failing like all of his classes. Um, we we could not get him to take part in a day of studying and in a day of virtual learning. Uh, and today at at seven fifty five, he rang the doorbell and came in for his virtual learning. That's a that's a small victory that that you have to celebrate. Uh, you can't wait until the big victory at the end of the year. You have to celebrate something every single day uh, so that you you see the the progress it that, that is being made uh, and you don't get burned out by the day-to-day grind of trying to get to the big audacious goal every big audacious goal is is filled with tiny little goals and those tiny little goals need to be celebrated because at the end of the day they have massive consequences so they're not really that tiny to begin with uh, so i we 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 celebrate often uh, we, uh, we, we check in on each other. Uh, personally, we unplug what we need to, and we keep our hobbies outside of the block. And, and I, I think those are the things that, that, uh, keep me energized and make it so that I can wake up the next day and attack it with full force. Well, Kristen, it's time to
0: wrap up this episode of the play like a champion show. And with it, the year 2020, Any final thoughts for our listeners as we head into the holidays and prepare to ring in 2021?
1: Yes. Shout out to you, Pete. (laughs) You had the idea to start this podcast, and it's been a highlight of my week in these months during the pandemic. I've really enjoyed talking to and celebrating. You know, Jamile says we've got to celebrate when we can we have to celebrate the coaches that we talk to. And the other interesting thing we created this year is our champion coach of the week honor. And it's so important to grasp onto the beauty of the people that are involved in our community and building up the athletes and, and again, celebrate them. And I want to acknowledge, yeah, 2020 has been a grind. <laughs> and yet we've, we were able to stay strong. And now we look forward with hope. Uh, to a 2021 that will be um, hopefully filled with much more joy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so well said. Uh, And that hope is, you know, that's the thing, right? Hopefully uh, we can look forward to many joys in 2021 and we'll be here to share those uh, with you. We want to thank everyone for joining us here on the Play Like a Champion show. Not only episode 17 that you're listening to, but the previous 16 episodes. It's been an absolute blast getting this started. And as Kristen said, talking to so many wonderful people uh, who have been a part of this show. And, And we've got many, many more ahead. So we're excited about that in the new year. Remember, you can subscribe and download to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Do that now so you don't miss a single episode when we return in 2021. If you haven't listened to the first 16 episodes of the show, go back and do that as well. Connect to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, playlikeachampion.org. You can find all those links. If you'd like to learn more about what we do or have any questions for a future episode of the podcast, email us, information at playlikeachampion.org. Kristen, thanks as always, for being here. It's been a pleasure doing these last several episodes with you uh, throughout this past year, as you said. Uh, Thanks for being here, and I will look forward to talking to you again in 2021.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Pete, and thanks to all of our listeners for joining us. Have a great end of the year, everyone. And wherever you are, remember to play like a champion each and every day.